Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiative podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig. I'm joined today by our senior economist, Matt Burgess. Hi, Matt. Hi, Oliver. We want to talk about your latest report, Pretense of Necessity. You looked once again at climate change policy, the operations of the emissions trading scheme, and this time you explain why the ETS basically does the job and doesn't actually need too many further policies on top of that. Mm -hmm. Usually what I would have liked to do with you is go through the report chapter by chapter. You could have explained everything, but I think today we've got a much better opportunity to, for you to explain what's in it in response to what the climate change minister had to say about your report. Because James Shaw, the climate change minister, was on Newstalk ZB yesterday afternoon. You had been on Newstalk ZB before. You talked to Mike Hosking. And um, that triggered James Shaw to respond in an interview with Andrew Dickens later that afternoon. So I think actually it would be a really good idea to go through some of the stuff that James Shaw said and maybe to clarify a few of his misunderstandings. Shall we have a go? Let's do it. Cool. Um, we'll cut in right at the beginning where the presenter, Andrew Dickens, asks um, James Shaw about the main thesis of, the re of your report. Let's just listen to that. So they argue, Matt argues that with a cap on emissions and the emissions trading scheme, then any further policies will not make a difference numerically to emissions. He does. Um, I mean, I think the idea that you can solve climate change by not doing anything is a very seductive one, right? Because, you know, we're all looking at potential changes in our lives and lifestyles and our work and, and so on that are inconvenient. Um, and so it is it is a very seductive argument, but there's a number of holes in that argument. So first of all, uh, people need to be able to choose to move to something else, right? So, you know, if, if you say you want to get out of your petrol-driven car, you've got to be able to afford to... Uh, move into either a zero emission vehicle or you've got to have safe cycleways or you've got to have good public transport and we don't necessarily have all of those things. So even if people want to switch, they can't necessarily do that yeah. and you need to spend some money on those other things. But I think what he's more arguing is uh, probably on the bigger level and the industrial level and if you introduce more climate change policies then if you uh, you know tax someone or, or penalise someone or promote something here because of the emission trading schemes and the and the and the, and the trading of, of credits, then of course that means that other areas increase their emissions. So surely, if you're going to introduce more climate change policies, you also need to lower the emissions cap at the same time, or else it's just moving the chairs around on the Titanic. Yes, and actually that's true in say the European emissions trading scheme. They that. This is called the, the waterbed effect, right? You sit on one part of the waterbed, it yeah. sort of pops up somewhere else. Uh, and, and actually, that is a manageable um, uh, problem to solve. So it's, it's kind of... Perhaps we just stop the climate change minister right here. You listen a, to there's what... There's a lot to unpack right there's there. There's a lot to unpack in just about one and a half minutes. Mm. Um, where do we start? Well, so first of all, the, the question was, uh, how do other policies, can other policies cut emissions when you've already got a cap in place? Um, our answer in the report is very clear, no. The minister doesn't say that that theory is wrong. Instead, he says that doing nothing is a very seductive argument, as if the existing policies we have in place, which will deliver our emissions targets, doesn't count for anything. Let me just quote So that's back quite misleading, actually, because he pretends that under the current arrangements, we are not doing anything when, in fact, his system that he actually introduced with a hard cap in 2020 is clearly doing something. Well, and we've argued that it's, it will do uh, enough to deliver emissions targets and legislation. But let me just Actually, quote we haven't just argued that. The Climate Change Commission did. 
the Minister for Climate Change, James Shaw, argued that point in the in House. In Parliament. In Parliament. Indeed. And let me just quote back to you what he said at the time the reform bill passed two years ago. Third reading. We have spent the last three years putting in place the institutional framework to bend the curve of our emissions downwards, something that has never happened before in our country. Once passed, the reforms contained in this bill will be a critical part of this framework. From now on, we will have a clear, transparent, predictable set of rules for emissions pricing, which will drive investment into low carbon solutions to cut pollution. Here, here, Minister. Today he's calling that nothing. Hmm, interesting. It's, it's the same sh- same James Shaw we're talking about here. Uh, yes, apparently so. But of course, you know, what's going on? The gains have been banked and it's on to the next thing. Climate change policy has become about more climate change policy regardless of emissions and regardless of emissions targets. You know, we're in a loop now where you just bank whatever you've got and you just look for the next thing. Well, that doesn't help the environment. Uh, It might get more people out of cars, but it makes it harder to get to our targets. It actually puts um, our targets at risk. It threatens the environment and it's certainly going to make us poorer than we need to be. So this is the point of the report, pretense of necessity. The government is pushing policies that it doesn't need to push. But then James Shaw actually gets a little bit closer to reason uh, once again, and he talks about the waterbed effect, which is exactly what this report is about. Well, Shall gets, we listen to him a bit more? He gets well. This, he he got into something else there, which is uh, you have to have alternatives to petrol cars. Now, um, that's all kinds of wrong, right? First of all, Parliament has committed to reduce net emissions of greenhouse gases. It said nothing about driving fewer cars. Mm-hmm. There are lots of ways to cut net emissions. One of them is getting fewer people uh, in cars and more into EVs. But there are literally thousands of other ways to do it. Uh, well, we'll get to that actually further down in in James Shaw's interview. But. but the idea that you need to have an alternative to cars to get to our emissions targets is flat out false. We have thousands of alternative ways to do it. Parliament has essentially left a blank slate for how we get to net zero. Um, what you're hearing from Shaw is him preempting. This is the, where the debate's gone. We're no longer focused on emissions. We're preempting the ways that we get there. And it turns out that Shaw and um, his party is pushing pathways to net zero that are actually infeasible. They actually threaten the targets. Um, when at the same time we've got many alternatives that are much more affordable and effective that will get us to net zero if only the government would leave the door open to them. Well, Shaw is effectively confusing net and gross emissions. He, he's doing that, and by doing that, he is threatening the environment, first of all, and second, he's certainly threatening our back pockets in the economy. Mm-hmm. So it's lose-lose, and let's be clear, that's, this is the point of the report. We've got all of these options, and yet we have government that's ignoring them and insisting on the most difficult and expensive pathway to net zero. Well, let's listen to James Shaw a little bit more, because I think it becomes clearer in uh, the next few seconds. Theoretical to say that it's automatic, uh, that any action that you do will just mean to lead to increased emissions elsewhere. The other other thing is that our cap in our emission trading scheme is kind of a soft cap, right, because you can introduce uh, forestry offsets into it um, and and that kind of allows you to continue polluting as much as you want. Let me just interrupt him here. I see you shaking your head already. Um, he says we've got a soft cap in the scheme. As far as I know, the same James Shaw in June 2020 introduced a hard cap into the scheme. Can you please explain? Well, we're here we have a minister ignoring what Parliament has said. Uh, that's pretty bad in itself. But in this particular case, you have a minister ignoring his own legislation. Uh, it's not a soft cap. It's a hard cap with respect to net emissions. Uh, and net emissions is the target that's in the legislation that James Shaw introduced into the House. Uh, so forestry is very much um, part of the net emissions target. Forestry offsets count.
towards net zero uh, just as much as reductions in emissions from cars do. So um, it's a hard cap with respect to the target that's in his legislation. Presumably the minister knows the difference between a soft and a hard cap. So here he is quite deliberately, I'd say, misleading. I think he is, uh, but he's not the only one doing it. He's got an entire public service that's doing about the same thing, this uh, conflating of gross and net emissions. Now, you know, it might sound like a technical difference, but in policy terms, it is momentous. Mm -hmm. uh, gross zero emissions is a vastly different proposition to net zero emissions. Uh, gross zero is literally impossible. We could bankrupt, we will bankrupt the economy before we ever get anywhere near gross zero. But that's the difference we're talking about here. Hmm. Let's listen a bit more. And, and he's actually making this point, and he's saying, well, we could hit net zero, and all we need to do is convert every tenth farm into a pine plantation. And I have to say, uh, that is not a terribly popular idea in any part of New Zealand that I've come so James is right. It's not a popular idea in parts of New Zealand, but he's wrong about pretty much everything else. Actually, uh, it was only 7%. Well, first of all, I have to give credit to James for accuracy. Uh, last year, he told Parliament's Environment Committee that we'd have to convert nearly all farms uh, to forestry to get to net zero with existing policies. Now it's only 10%. Now it's only 10%. In fact, the true number is 7% by 2050. But actually, my report didn't say that we have to do any of this. The report actually said we have options. We could plant zero additional trees and get to net zero. We could leave farming out of uh, the ETS indefinitely and get to net zero. We have choices. Um, we don't have to do anything. Uh, and this is the point, uh, this pretense of necessity. We have far more flexibility and many more pathways to net zero than what the government uh, is willing to give credit for. Uh, and we've sort of got this fake argument that's been wonderfully successful for sure in his party, but nevertheless is untrue, that the only alternative to uh, hugely expensive and disruptive policies that he wants is to cover farms and trees. That's not True. So and basically what he's doing here is scaremongering. He's scaremongering and he's just not reading the legislation. And you know, the first thing we do in my report is just to go back and quote the legislation to establish what net, z net zero and net emissions mean and to make clear all of the different possible ways to get to that target that goes way beyond um, driving fewer cars and planting more trees. It's mm. much, much broader than that. Okay. Well, let's continue with James Shaw then. So when Matt says the, the emissions trading scheme by itself is going to get us to net zero already, what do you say? Well, the Commission, uh, when they released their report last year, said that you know we could rely on about a third of the transition, you know, sorry, we could rely on the emissions trading scheme to get about a third of the change that we need, um, but that actually ultimately we are going to need to do, to pull some other levers as well in order to get... I think we'll just interrupt him here because I can see you shaking your head. Um, he says a third can be achieved with the ETS. As far as I remember, that's not quite what the Climate Change Commission said. Well, the Commission said, look, I'm not even sure what it means to use a third of... Um third of the reductions due to the ETS. I mean, you can only cap emissions once and either it's the cap that's cutting emissions or it's not the cap that's cutting emissions. So it's sort of, it's, it's like being a bit pregnant. Um, the Commission said that with existing policies and an ETS at $50, we get to net zero by about 2050. That's what the Commission said. So really, the Commission said um, you can get to net zero with 100% ETS and that's enough. So it's only by introducing other objectives, presumably. I mean, I I wish sure and senior officials would just be clear about what they mean, about what counts as being on track or not on track. I think what if the only way you can explain what Shaw just said is by reference to 
objectives that have nothing to do with climate change. You know, what what does a third of the way with the ETS even mean? But actually, the Climate Change Commission also said that based on a carbon price of $50 a tonne, we would get to net zero by 2050. Yeah, and so the only reason you can say that we're not on track, because, by the way, the ETS price is now above $70, mm-hmm. is by insisting that, no, 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 um, but there's, there's other things we want to do. We don't want to plant too many trees. We need this many EVs. We need to not do X, Y, or Z. Um, none of those things in the legislation. Uh, it's only by uh, covertly, um, implicitly introducing all these other objectives that Parliament hasn't authorised that they can say these things. So the upshot is that New Zealanders are being told misleading things about what's been committed to and the trajectory we have to take. You know, use that word need. You know, we need to do X. That's not in the legislation. Legislation says net zero, and it says we commit to Paris by 2030. That's what the legislation Hmm. says. It doesn't say uh, other things about cars or EVs or reductions versus removals and so on. So So in some, we don't really know where the minister's coming from when he says a third. It's meaningless. It's meaningless in in the sense of what the law says and in terms of the climate science, actually. Um, But nevertheless, it's very much meaningful in terms of the extent of the intrusion and the cost of policies to get to net zero. It's overlaying all of these rules and restrictions and $4.5 billion of new spending on budget for reasons that have nothing to do with what the legislation says. Okay, let's give the minister another chance to explain himself. We want to get to. Um, And I'll I'll give you another example. You know, we uh, brought in the clean car discount towards the end of last year, and it's been wildly popular, and loads of people are going out and getting themselves low-emission vehicles or zero-emission vehicles, especially now with the fuel prices going up. when, when we introduced that, we sort of did a bit of work on what would it be like if you just relied on the emissions trading scheme to get the same result in terms of people mm-hmm. switching to low emission vehicles. And you'd have to have an emissions trading scheme price of about $500 a tonne. Uh, and at the moment, it's $70 a tonne. And a year ago, it was you know less than $30 a tonne. So, it, and, and the, the impact that a $500 ETS price would have on, you know, kind of regular people would be eye-watering. So you've, just, you've got to pull a lot of different levers to get the... Okay, so first of all, Parliament hasn't committed to take cars off roads. It's committed to reduce net emissions. And if it turns out cars are $500 a tonne, then you look elsewhere. And that's exactly what a carbon price does. That's why you don't ever have to pay $500. Secondly, if you're going to insist um, on cutting emissions by getting cars off roads at $500 a tonne, it's still $500 a tonne with Shaw's strategy of doing other policies. It's just that you can't necessarily see it through the ETS. But somebody's paying $500 a tonne completely unnecessarily. Um, when I listened to that, I actually had a different thought. I thought, actually, technically speaking, he may well be right that in order to get the same effect on EV uptake, you would need $500 ETS. But the problem is actually, though this is technically potentially correct, it shows you that actually you wouldn't start with transport if you need that much of a price to have people switch to EVs. Maybe there are other sectors of the economy where you would actually start to transition and not in transport and not with EVs. So what you have is this inversion going on where if you're trying to cut net emissions, you should be well, your best strategy is to allow emissions to come down however and wherever is most effective. Now we know, and Shaw's absolutely right, the last place you look is the transport sector because that's where there's not much low-hanging fruit here. Almost everywhere else is more affordable and less disruptive. But... What you have is a climate change minister who has commit, who introduced the legislation with the commitment to reduce net emissions, then saying, no, 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 
we're going to get cars off roads in the name of reducing net emissions. Now, you can only pursue that strategy. This is what I mean by inversion. Mm-hmm. Yep, cars are one way, one way to get um, emissions down, but it's pretty much the worst way at any kind of scale. Yeah, so I found Shaw in this respect um, maybe technically correct, but utterly misleading because actually by explaining it the way he did, he just explained why the whole thing doesn't make any sense. Well, he, he's, if the strategy is to cut emissions insisting it's transport is the worst possible yep. way, literally the worst possible way at scale. You know, and I think $500 might be light. It's probably more like $1,000 a tonne. You know, the the standard number in the literature for how many dollars you have to spend on an EV subsidy, for example, is something like $1,000 a tonne. So if you're trying to cut emissions, um, insisting it come from transport is the opposite of trying to get to net zero emissions. So you've got a climate change minister you know, doing things in the name of climate change that are actually pretty much the last strategy that you do if your commitment was to net zero. So really what this is telling us is that the commitment is to less cars. That didn't seem to be too obvious to the news talk presenter. Maybe you just listen to the last few seconds of the interview too, because that is where James Shaw gets some further ideas. But that whole fee bait thing, I guess that has uh, prompted a rise in electric vehicle buying, but it's also, there's a huge rise at the moment in, in ICE buying as people try and get in before the ute tax comes in, instead of six of one and half and, uh, of, of another. But can I just say, if you've got a fee bait scheme rewarding electric vehicle buyers, can I just continue my personal campaign to say, where's my, <laughs> where's my fee bait scheme for a, an electric bike? You know, with that eight grand, I could buy two bikes and I could take two cars off the road, buddy. It's it's a it's a fair point, Andrew, and I I couldn't comment on it at the moment. I'm afraid. That's right, because you're thinking about it and you will enact it. And I thank you for your time, James Shaw, Climate Minister. Uh, well, I think what we just heard was a, a preview of what's coming up, part of that 4.5 billion <laughs> uh, subsidies for e-bikes, yeah. I'd say. Um, yes. Look, by the way, fee bait um, is an awful, po- genuinely awful policy really expensive, has virtually no impact at all on emissions, even before you've accounted for the neutralising effect of the ETS. You know, it's it's 0.3% or something over the first four or five years of it, of, of just transport emissions, let alone national emissions. It's almost certainly highly regressive. You're putting more than $8,000 into the pockets of relatively wealthy buyers of Tesla Model 3s, and those checks will be funded in part by buyers of secondhand imported vehicles. Well, guess what? Um, you're putting, you're taking money off um, lower income people and putting in the pockets of higher income people. And by the way, we don't have to do that policy to get to net zero. We can be absolutely certain with existing policies without this awful fee bait policy that we'll get to net zero. So really this was the point of the pretense of necessity. If you recognise that you don't have to do policies like fee bait, then the onus goes on the government to explain why it's doing expensive, ineffective, often highly regressive policies when it doesn't have to. If we don't have to impose these hard chips, particularly on lower income people by hugely expensive and effective policies, why are we doing it government? So this false statement that we need to do more, that these policies are vital, um, are cover for genuinely bad policies and if you get rid of that pretense of necessity, then then it's up to the government to explain why it's imposing unnecessary hardship. But it was, of course, telling. Um, so first we have the minister trying to develop an alternative justification for the fee bait scheme. And if, as if that was not enough, we've got the news talk presenter asking, but can you do the same for bikes, please? Yeah, uh, and this is, the, I mean, you know, <laughs> boy, it's um, it's like banging your head on a wall, isn't it? I mean, just the idea that you've got an emissions cap and that other stuff, once you've done that, doesn't, further stuff doesn't help, just doesn't get through. The the basic impulse here is, is let's do more. Um, 
one other thing is, you know, of course the fee-bate policy is popular. You know, of course, if you give eight people $8,000 for buying a new EV, they're going to buy a new EVs, especially when you've got oil, oil prices um, at the highest level. But, you know, it's interesting that Shaw's quite happy to concede that higher oil prices, you know, that prices and incentives actually are working. Um, they are getting people into more EVs, totally what you'd expect. Um, and yet somehow the ETS doesn't work. I don't get it. What do you think normal news talks that be listeners would have made of James Shaw's interview yesterday, presuming they wouldn't have read your report before? Well, uh, I guess they've heard these lines before. I think they heard a fairly hesitant minister, but you know, you're on the radio, you've got five minutes, it's a complicated area, you can't cover everything. Look, I, I imagine they, they heard a minister uh, that's true to form, but look, I think it's interesting, he didn't say that anything in the report was wrong. Uh, he resorted to scaremongering and misleading statements about what we have said in the report. Not that listeners would necessarily recognise that, but that's par for course. You know, if his policies worked, he'd just say that, right? Mm -hmm. And he'd put out a, a document that had the maths in it to prove it. He hasn't, and he can't, and he won't. And apparently, you know, you never know, but I don't think there's enough News Talk ZB um, interviewers willing to test him on this to uh, get him to do so. But well, ultimately, you've got a climate change minister who didn't dispute the point that his policy, having capped emissions, his $4.5 billion of new spending isn't going to cut a single tonne of emissions. And I think uh, in that respect, James Shaw was uh, completely accurate and faithful to his strategy. Okay, Matt, in which case, why don't we just bank it that way? So we have a report from you um, where the minister is not able to show that you're wrong. Uh, we have a report that is repo reported widely in the New Zealand media that triggers the climate change minister to be on news talks that be on the drive program and basically defend the government's record. And I think actually for a think tank, we've achieved quite a lot. Yep, and look, can I just, can I give you some boilerplate to close with? You know, emissions policy should cut emissions, right? We should well, get to Well, that's a novel zero. idea. Well, it's becoming, you know, it's, it's actually becoming an unpopular idea. You know, I think uh, officials don't want to hear it. Ministers certainly don't like hearing it. Uh, but we should get to net zero. And we need policies that work to do that. And most of what the government's now doing isn't going to work. And the Minister for Climate Change hasn't disputed that. Uh, instead, he said uh, climate change policies, in effect, should do other things besides cut, cut emissions. That's really what he said. Um, and we just disagree because, you know what, all those other objectives count for absolutely nothing towards a target of net zero. And net zero is a thing that helps the environment. And all those other things don't. Wonderful. And it, and it really is that simple. <laughs> okay, then let's leave that here. And if you'd like to find out more about um, why it is not necessary to do the kinds of policies that James Shaw talked about on Newstalk ZB, look at um, Matt's new report, Pretense of Necessity. It's available free of charge on our website. But for now, thank you, Matt. Thanks, Oliver.